The Big Bets on Campus podcast is presented by WinBet Sportsbook, and they've got a great sign-up offer for our listeners. New WinBet patrons who open an account and deposit $20 or more can make their first bet risk-free up to $1,000. That's right. If you open a new WinBet account, make a qualifying deposit, and place your first bet within 10 days, that bet is risk-free up to $1,000 in eligible states. To get started, all you have to do is click on the Action Network link in this episode description. Okay, let's get things started. All right, here we go. Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus podcast presented by WinBet. I am your co-host, Mike Calabres, joined by my Action Network partner in crime, Mike Ionello, and we are back for the week six Group of Five deep dive. An exciting opportunity as conference play heats up here for us to get back in the black. Had a rough go of it last week. South Alabama broke my heart. They had some critical kicking meltdowns extra points and field goals. They ends up losing by two as a plus 340 money line underdog. So we need to get back into the groove. I think it starts with the mojo. We, we got to start with some feel good stories and positivity. One of the teams that has been good to me all season is the UTEP Miners. So we'll go ahead and start with my G5 hero of the week. I can be your hero, baby. You can Bradley Dale Pavito, the deepest of all cuts, even here in G5 land, the defensive coordinator for UTEP, a long time, some would say lifer assistant coach in the SEC. He's now been promoted. He is the defensive coordinator of UTEP, and he's got those kids playing a great brand of defense. Top 50 in scoring defense, 21st in total D, 20th in yards per carry, and opponents are only completing 48% of their passes. And when you look at the second half last week against Old Dominion, he was the difference maker, dialing up blitzes, you know, the right kind of coverages. The last three drives for Old Dominion with a chance to win it. Interception, four and out, four and out. Another win for UTEP. Minor Nation loves it. Who do you like as your G5 here of the week, Mike? Yeah, I'm going with a bit of a deep cut here, too. I'm going with Georgia Southern running back Logan Wright. Uh, Georgia Southern kind of shockingly, I would say fired Chad Lunsford last week, their first game under interim head coach, Kevin Whitley. He runs for 10 carries, 208 yards and two touchdowns. For those of you who are not good at math, that is (laughs) 20.8 yards per carry. Georgia Southern as a team rushed for 503 yards and seven touchdowns on the ground in a 59-33 win over Arkansas State, Kevin Whitley's first win as a head coach, they absolutely slaughtered Arkansas State behind the back of Logan Wright. So I'm going with him as my hero of the week. And that leads me perfectly into my best bet of this week. I'm going with the Thursday night play, the Coastal Carolina Chanticleers, minus 20 at Arkansas State. As I just mentioned above, Arkansas State's defense is just horrific. 
They're allowing 563 yards per game. That is the worst in the entire country. They're allowing 45.6 points per game. Only UMass has been worse. 129th in the country in rushing success rate on defense. And now they pay close to Carolina, who is awesome at running the ball. You know, they run that kind of hybrid RPO. Not, not truly a triple option, but kind of a triple option. And Coastal Carolina's offense has just been humming this whole season. They're first in the Sun Belt and sixth in the country in total offense, averaging 528 yards per game. They're 12th in rush success, 23rd in pass success. They're just incredibly efficient behind Grayson McCall and that offense. You know, McCall's playing great. He's doing what he needs to do. They have three good running backs, Reese White, Shamari Jones, Braden Bennett. All of them are averaging over seven yards a carry. They have two great weapons on the outside in Javon Hiley and Isaiah Likely. Both are all Sunbelt uh, wide receiver and a tight end. Coastal, we can sit here and say, yes, we know they have no chance of making the playoff, but they don't know that. And they've proven this season that they're willing to run up the score and make statements on bad teams. And that's what Arkansas State's proven to be. And I think Coastal's almost flying. They're almost like they've almost crossed over that point where they're so good that they're kind of boring. No one watches them. No one talks about them. It's like, oh, ho-hum, you know, Coastal beat UMass by 50. That's what we expect. I, I see that happening again against Arkansas State that, you know, they couldn't stop anything. So I think Coastal runs it down their throat as they've been doing all year. They run it up on them late. Give me Coastal at anything under 21. You mentioned the versatility of, of the Shantz offense, and I agree. If you look, you know, you can go down a rabbit hole on YouTube. They do a really nice job of film study and cut-ups. There's a bunch of content creators that really did a nice job of unpacking all the different elements of their offense during the offseason to try to figure out, you know, this postmortem, why they were so good. And the reality is it reminds me back in the day in Madden and NCAA football, you could select the global playbook and you literally could run any formation and any play. And it seems to be that whenever Coastal Carolina gets in the film room, they find out what's the weakness of the defense and they build the whole game plan around that. I could see Grayson McCall throwing 12 passes in this game and them scoring 55 points. And I think that's what you're going to see. You're going to see them just run it down the throat of the Red Wolves, and they have no way, shape, or form can they stop it. So because of that, I think it, it makes it a lot safer. There's not as much volatility in terms of you know what they're doing. Sometimes when you're banking on a, a blowout win for a team that likes to throw it all over the place, you can get some tip passes, some interceptions, but I think it's going to be pretty simple from a game plan perspective. So I like that play out of the gate. For my best bet, Going with an over here, over 70 and a half between Western Kentucky and UTSA. We'll start with the pace, and it's pretty simple. Western Kentucky is 40th in plays per game this season, and you saw against Michigan State in the second half. They have no problem speeding things up when they're playing from behind. I think from a game flow perspective, you're going to see that. But who's leading the charge? It's the Roadrunners here, and they're third nationally in plays per game. And when you put the two together, you're looking at close to 160 plays predicted for this particular game. So the plays are only as good as the offenses that are running them. And you have two strengths against two weaknesses. Western Kentucky is the first ranked passing game in, in the nation. Bailey Zappi has been tremendous. Bailey Zappi. He's approaching 450 passing yards per game. And because of that, you have to look at, is UTSA equipped to slow that down? They're 70th in pass defense. And that first half against Memphis, a game that we had our eyes on because we called for the upset, they fell down 21-0 early. They gave up some deep shots. I think they're going to be in trouble against a Western Kentucky team that has sharpened the, themselves and sharpened the knife, so to speak, against Indiana, against Michigan State. That Michigan State game, they were throwing it all over the place. It wasn't just Jareth Stearns. They were spreading the love, so to speak. And I think because of that, it's just too difficult for this UTSA team to slow them down. I see Zappi 
thrown for 400 yards. Now on the other side, when the Roadrunners do have the ball, Sincere McCormick, only one player in the country has had more carries in the last three weeks, and that's Jalen Warren, a, a former G5 hero, transfer from Utah State now at Oklahoma State. But McCormick, 94 carries in the last three weeks. So you know they're going to this kid. And Western Kentucky can't stop the run at all. 120th nationally, 216 yards per game. So the two strengths against two weaknesses up and down the field, 70 and a half does not scare me away. I'd play this up to 74. Uh, we're going to go ahead and speed right into our G5 parlay underdog version here. Turning good weekends into great weekends. It's time for the Moneyline Parlay. So we're going to look for the big payout. We're always, you know, mining for those five to one, six to ones. You know, if if I have one of my ambitious plays hit maybe 10 to one, I'll get it started here. I love Tulane plus 200 on the Moneyline hosting Houston. This is a short week, a home dog. I love spots like this. And the last time they played at Yulman, Tulane beat them outright in a high-scoring game. I believe it scored in the upper 60s. When you look at what Tulane has done this year, they've played against two really good offenses in Oklahoma. I mean, you can make the argument Oklahoma has struggled a little bit, but particularly in that game in Norman, they were clicking. They had things working offensively. And then Ole Miss you know, dropped a, a nuclear bomb on, on the green wave from an offensive perspective. Also, you squeak in a game against ECU. ECU has been red hot offensively. So I think Tulane has just been getting hammered by teams that are really competent offensively. And Houston is not that. They're 86th in total offense. They have a mediocre running game. They're in the mid-80s for just about every metric yards per game, yards per carry. Lots of high percentage throws, um, but they're only 77th in yards per attempt. So they're trying to build the confidence of of Clayton Toon, but he hasn't really been able to accomplish that. Despite the high percentage throws, they're still 105th in interception rate this year. And when you look at their opponents, they played Grambling. They played Navy. These numbers should be a lot better. So as they walk in at four and one, I think they're a bit of a paper tiger in this spot. And because of that, and Clayton Toon's propensity to turn the ball over six picks in essentially four full games, he got knocked out early and was taken out as a precaution against Grambling. I think Michael Pratt and Tulane, they're a live dog in this spot, and I love them on the short week. Um, what are you going to go ahead and pair up here? And then we can talk, you know, final payout for this parlay. Um, I was deciding between two, and when you told me you were going with Tulane, that made it easy for me to just take the other one because I love Tulane for everything you said. I, I've always been a non-believer in Clayton Toon. Turns the ball over too much. You, you mentioned the picks. I, I don't know, have the numbers in front of you, but he fumbles the ball a ton. He, he, just, he is so careless with the football. That's what you want for an upset. You want a quarterback that's going to cough it up and throw pick sixes and give you short fields, and, and Clayton Toon's done that his whole career. For my uh, second one, I'm pairing it with Florida Atlantic plus 175 at UAB. I know we love UAB. We went with we took UAB cash our underdog parlay the other day, a couple weeks ago. So I'm fading them in this spot. FAU is in their second year under Willie Taggart, and they really just you know picked up right where right where they were going under the lane train. And uh, Jim Levitt's gone from the defensive coordinator, but Mike Stoops stepped in, and the defense doesn't look any different. And that's been their strength the last couple of years. They're, you know last year they were top 25 in both uh, passing and rushing success on defense. They brought 13 or top 14 tacklers back. And this year they've been so good against the run, you know, or against the pass. The the rush numbers are a little a little skewed in my opinion because all right they gave 400 rushing yards to Florida. That was a bad game. And then they played two option teams, so Georgia Southern and Air Force were able to run the ball on them. But their passing offense has been incredible. They they're 14th in the country in passing success rate. They held Florida to just 153 yards passing. But the big question mark for FAU, you know, was their offense. They were 112th in the country last year. 
that's improved significantly. They're up to 22nd in yards per game this year in the country, 34th in yards per play. They rank 13th in rushing success, which they've always kind of been good at, but 31st in pass success is to me where that's the biggest sign of improvement. And the reason is they brought in Nikosi Perry from Miami. And I think oftentimes, you know, I'm guilty of it. We, we both do it on this show. You know, you, you see a guy in the, in the power five conferences who stinks and he drops like I, I do with Rocky Lombardi every week. I say Rocky, Rocky Lombardi stinks. He was bad at Michigan State. But yeah, Perry struggled at Miami, you know, but now, you know, he stepped down a level and he's looked really good. He's thrown 10 touchdowns, one interception this year. He's coming off his best game of the season last last week. He went 18 for 21 for 329 yards, three touchdowns against Florida International. He now is a rushing TD in three straight games. To pair that with sophomore running back Johnny Ford, who's having a great year, averaging six yards per carry. And this UAB defense, you know, they're, they are, they're still pretty good against the run, but they're not as good against the pass as they were last year. So I think Perry's going to be able to throw against this Blazers defense. And Florida Atlantic has just kind of owned UAB. You know, they've won five of the seven meetings between these two teams. Last time they played was the 2019 Conference USA Championship. FAU thumped them 49 to 6. I expect, you know, not that much of a blowout, obviously, but I kind of just think FAU is a better team. You know, I think their defenses are both fairly equal. And I like Florida Atlantic's offense more than I like UAB's. So, so give me FAU at, at plus 175 to get the upset here. And that comes out to a juicy plus 825 for the parlay. I'm a little bit gun shy just because, you know, I, I backed FAU and their, their trip to Colorado did not work out against Air Force. But you're the first man through the wall here. I will follow you. And I agree. The passing game has been so spectacular with the exception of that game that you think that they'll probably be able to get back on track. Really, if we can do anything to move the mojo in our favor, I think we should just probably throw some shade on Nikosi Perry because honestly, it's been a positive podcast this whole year. But we did throw a ton of shade on one guy, and that would be Kenneth Pickett from Pitts and boy Kenny has just gone berserk ever since we mentioned that you know he probably should relocate to a Mac mailing address and then could be a competent quarterback well he's top five in pro football focus and you know fantasy metrics and everything else he's been absolutely on fire I believe he's saved our producers college fantasy football team as well picking him off the trash heap so yeah Perry you're no good just whatever it takes to get a chip on your shoulder in this game please play angry and uh, you know drop a 40 point nugget on uh, on UAB for us And now as a quick reminder to our listeners, the Big Bets on Campus podcast is presented by WinBet Sportsbook, and they've got a great sign-up offer for you guys this season. New WinBet patrons who open an account and deposit $20 or more can make their first bet risk-free up to $1,000. That's right. If you open a WinBet account, make a qualifying deposit, and place your first bet within 10 days, that bet is risk-free up to $1,000 in eligible states. $1,000. So take advantage of this WinBet offer. Just click on the Action Network link in the episode description. Must be 21 or older to gamble. No one to stop before you start. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, we're going to transition now to our G5 High Five round robin here in week six. The G5 High Five. Should we high five? High five! We got a five pack of games. I'll get it started quickly with a team that seemingly got their, their identity stolen from them. Their mojo was gone. And this happens... A decent amount when you see G5 teams traveling for that paycheck, they go up to Happy Valley, this Ball State team, and they got absolutely crushed. And what happened from there, it seems like they were flailing, they ended up benching their quarterback, their passing game was totally broken last week against a very good Army team that entered undefeated. 
The Ball State Cardinals get it going. Johannes Tyler and Justin Hall, who had a kick return for a touchdown, they combined for 160 receiving yards. It made Drew Plitt much more effective offensively. And I think this is the game to get them back in the mentality of they can be in that top three or four conversation in the Mac. So to be able to steal them in this spot at plus 11, I think is a gift. The other part of this for Western Michigan, this is a team that's identity-wise last season was a big play waiting to happen. They averaged three plays through the air of 30 yards or more last year. That number is all the way down to one, which ranks them 80th nationally. So they're still effective. They're still efficient. They're moving the ball. Caleb Ellaby has been, has been great, but it's just not the same quick strike offense. And when you cross over that key number of 10, now we're realistically talking about that backdoor cover and Western Michigan to feel comfortable. You want them to be up by three scores. I don't see the quick score capability that the Broncos once had. And then on top of it, I think the passing game could end up actually being better for Ball State. The weather's supposed to be perfect in Kalamazoo. It's a little bit warm, no wind. So I'm going to go with the Cardinals here, plus 11 to get this G5 high five started. Yeah, I don't hate it. You know, I am I am high on Western Michigan. So, but like you said, I don't, it's still a big enough spread that they can win and not, and get, like you said, that back door is going to be open. So yeah, I, I don't hate it. For my first pick, I know we teased it earlier, but I'm going with UTSA plus three and a half in that game against Western Kentucky that you like. For everything you said, I do think both teams are going to run up and down the field. I love Bailey Zappi. He's awesome. He's going to get his. There's no doubt about that. But when UTSA has the ball, Western Kentucky is just 114th in rushing success on defense. They've allowed 216 yards per game on the ground this season. Enter Sincere McCormick. As we always talk about, he's one of the best backs in the entire country, not just a group of five. He's 11th in the nation with 541 yards per game, 541 yards total this year, six touchdowns. 293 of those yards have come after contact. The Hilltoppers defense ranks 86th in the country in tackling. Western Kentucky has just completely given up running the ball. They're 108th in rushing success. And even when they try to, UTSA ranks third in the nation. They're allowing just 2.3 yards per game. They've been awesome against the run. But the thing you didn't even mention when you talked about the, uh, the UTSA being able to move the ball, their offense has taken a huge step forward behind quarterback Frank Harris, which we talked about that early in the year. I know I'm pretty sure we both have UTSA's futures. I bet them to win the conference. And our big question was, would Frank Harris take a step forward? He has. They're 11th in the country in passing success rate. He's uh, Frank Harris is completing 69% of his passes for 225 yards per game, 7.8 per attempt, all career highs. He has six touchdowns through the air. And he continues to be able to use his legs out of the pocket. He has two great weapons in Sakari Franklin, Joshua Cephas. Both of them are averaging over 75 yards per game. So, you know, it's not like this, this UTSA offense is, is dink and dunk either. They're putting up 35 points per game. They're sixth in the country in finishing drives. And what I love most about this Roadrunners team, who we have backed multiple times, they do all the little things right. They don't beat themselves. They're, they are fewest conference, fewest penalties in the conference. They're averaging less than four flags per game. That's huge. They have the second best turnover margin in the conference. That's huge. And they have the best special teams. You know, they have uh, under, du I don't know how to say his last name, Duplesis and Lucas Dean, their kicker and punter, who were both all conference first team last year. So I love everything about this Roadrunners team. I know you do too, but of course you also love your Hilltoppers. So this is a little bit of a, split household for you probably but i'm going with the roadrunners plus three and a half meet me meet me i think they get it done i think they run it all over them and i think frank harris has really taken a step forward and that shows on saturday as soon as you 
mentioned UTSA and I knew you were going with the pick. It quickly became one of those Leonardo DiCaprio memes where I was snapping and pointing at you at the television. Yes, absolutely. I, I agree. You know, Western Kentucky is going to have to get creative on special teams, maybe an onside kick there. They have no chance of slowing down this offense. It's got to be turnovers. It's got to be flipping field position. It's got to be some trick plays. But even as you go through the anemic state of the Western Kentucky offense in terms of running the football, I, it makes me even bull, more bullish on my over because they're not even going to try to run the ball. This is not going to be a situation where you're going to have some three and outs because they're trying to establish the run, quote, quote unquote. Um, they're just going to hand the game plan to Zappy and say, keep us in it for four quarters. Um, the last one for my addition to the uh, round robin this week is a team that's red hot. And I was actually quite surprised when this number hit the board. East Carolina is catching 11 and a half at Central Florida. This isn't 2017. This isn't 2018. Dylan Gabriel, there was a, a bit of a snafu with the score app. So when I looked last week for the first uh, drive for Central Florida, it had credited Gabriel with a touchdown pass. I was like, is he playing with a broken clavicle? This guy is just a mutt now. So they, they made a mistake. And I quickly hopped on Twitter and saw that he's he's not walking through that door, so to speak, for the, for the Knights. Um, and because of that, I just don't see them as this world beater in the American that East Carolina can't go toe to toe with. Like, first of all, East Carolina has been a team that can get hot offensively has, as they have been in their last three. They're scoring close to 42 points per game. Keaton Mitchell is coming out of nowhere. This freshman is just killing it. Almost 10 yards per carry, 160 yards per game on the ground in the last three, which has taken a lot of pressure off Holden Ehlers, who's a guy who can win you the game and lose you the game just as easily in his career. But now he's got a Robin to his Batman in the backfield. And because of that, their one key weakness can now be masked a little bit. And it's always been allowing defensive havoc. Their offensive line has not been good over the years. And Ehlers extends plays, throws across his body, turns the ball over. UCF is not a team that's creating any havoc. They're 123rd in tackles for loss. They're dead even in turnover margin, 72nd in passes defended. This is not the defense to take advantage of East Carolina. And the fact that they scored 42 on Marshall, I know is a big comeback in the second half and particularly in the fourth quarter, but that's a much better defense. So I've already seen it. This isn't a hypothetical conversation. Can ECU put it all together? Um, Ehlers, seven touchdowns in his last three games against just two turnovers. The, the last part that makes me just a little bit sh shaky on this, and honestly, I may have gone all the way for the money line upset if it wasn't for this one stat, but East Carolina continually is relying on the big play. They cannot convert on third down. They're 118th in the country, um, third down conversions. UCF is not great, but I, I believe they're in the 60s for third down defense. So if they can get off the field, I think that neutralizes a bit of the hot streak that, uh, that the Pirates are playing with right now. The last piece, when they do get an opportunity to score, they're perfect in the red zone. 100% of their drives in the red zone have ended in points. So I, I just don't understand this. My power rankings call for this to be a seven point number and it's 11 and a half. So that's, you know, crossing over in two positive ways over key numbers. So I'll go ahead and take the 11 and a half and try to reel back my ambition and not dial up the huge money line upset. What do you think about the pirates playing at the bounce house? See, I actually don't even hate the, the money line thing because ECU, the way, like you said, the way they seem to play, especially Ehlers is ECU is either going to win this game or lose by 30. Like there's, there's, <laughs> yeah. they don't have an in-between because either Ehlers, if Ehlers is either going to throw five touchdowns or he's going to throw four picks. And I don't really see anything in between, but I definitely like, I mean, you know, I love the Pirates. So I actually, I actually thought about the over in this game because I do think, you know, UCF seemed to move the ball fairly well with the backup quarterback. 
Mitchell's been running the ball great. So I, I definitely would lean ECU. Um, I actually think there's a pretty good chance they win the game. But I also agree with uh, the over. I think it's going to be a shootout. Uh, for my next play, I'm going to one that, again, I'm going back to the well with the team I know you love too. I'm going to Minor Nation. I'm taking UTEP. They're, I think, minus one and a half right now against Southern Miss. We're talking Minor Nation. Out in the West Texas town of El Paso. Picks up. Uh, UTEP is off to a four and one start. They've already hit their preseason win total. Gavin Hardston's having a much better second season than he did last year. Uh, Miners are 24th in passing success rate in the country. And Southern Miss is 80th at defending the pass. I don't know that I was wrong on a team coming into the year when I was going through all the teams than I was on Southern Miss. Uh, I actually expected them to be a lot better this year. I, I bet them week one against South Alabama. Uh, I was really high on them bringing in Will Hall, the OC from Tulane last year. We saw how good Tulane's offense has been. And I mean, it seems to not dropped off, but they were great there. Southern Miss has been horrible this year. They're 113th in rushing success, 118th in line yards. Frank Gore Jr. has not gone anything going for them and this utep utep uh defense ranks 28th in rushing success this year they're going to totally take away frank Gore, who honestly has been taking away himself most of the year anyway and southern miss started the year with trey low at quarterback he got hurt too then went to back up ty keys he got hurt last week so now they're on their third string quarterback they're starting freshman jake lang it's going to be his first college start he came in last week and threw three interceptions and UTEP's only laying one and a half against Southern Miss team, who honestly wasn't good with their first or second string quarterback. And now all of a sudden, their, their third string is supposed to be better. Uh, UTEP's 22nd at creating havoc on defense. They're going to live in that backfield. They're going to force the freshman into mistakes, which he already proved last week he will make. So I, I love UTEP in this spot. I, this line is way too low. <laughs> this seems like you're another classic Bradley Dale Pavito fanboy. You know, it's just everybody from the local deli here in Pennsylvania to, you know, the streets in New York City for the Action Network headquarters. They're all talking about Pavito, the work that he's doing there. So I'm with you. This UTEP team continues to be undervalued. And it makes sense because most people have never watched a UTEP football game. And the fact that they're usually playing on stadium or ESPN Ocho, like it's keeping them under wraps. And I am more than happy to continue cashing on them Um, in this in this spot in particular. I think it just comes down to the health of their quarterback. As I, I mentioned, collegefantasyfootballupdate.com. They do a great job with the injuries with beat reporters and they've kept it organized. They said that he practiced on Monday, practiced on Tuesday. So he looks good. Deion Hankins came back and he was the battering ram down the stretch last week in their win against Old Dominion, scoring the game winning touchdown. There's no reason not to keep our picks swinging here, uh, literally and figuratively on the minors. So I'm, I'm all about it. And speaking of UTEP minor nation, here's a quick word from our producer, Matt Mitchell. Hi, this is a special message to Jason from El Paso, one of our favorite BBOC Bad Bet Hotline listeners, better known as the UTEP Minor Nation guy. Jason, if you're listening, I just want to remind you that everyone here at Big Bets on Campus holds you so deeply in our hearts as the creator of Minor Nation. We believe in these minors. We have our picks up. We love you. We love this minor team. And uh, we wish you the very best of luck as a favorite. And if they don't cover, I still definitely am going to need you to call the voicemail line as always. And that number is 959-BAD-BEAT. All right, back to you guys. Let's uh, let's close it out with one more winner. And hopefully we can string together a 5-0 and week as we did in week one. What's your last one for the G5 high five? Well, our last picks have all been fine games. We're all throwing up, you know, the teams that everyone knows we love. 
I'm getting dirty with this one. I'm getting in the mud. Gross. Give me Akron plus 14 and a half. Ooh. Yuck. Bowling Green should not be laying over two touchdowns to a high school team. They've been, they've, they've looked way better. The Bowling Green defense might be the most improved unit in the country. But at the end of the day, they're still horrible at offense. They're 129th in rushing success on offense and 101st in passing success on offense. Anyone who watched Bowling Green, which, you know, I hope most people have not, but if you're listening to this podcast, you've probably watched Bowling Green. I don't think Matt McDonald's ever thrown a football before. Either that or he's throwing it with the wrong hand because he, he does not look like he's thrown a football before. He's graded as the 144th uh, quarterback in pro football focus. He stinks. So, you know, Akron's offense isn't anything to write home about. And, and Tion Dollard is suspended after he got arrested on the offseason. That's a huge loss because he ran it down Bowling Green's throat last year. But Akron's still 83rd in rushing success and 98th in passing success. And yeah, that's not good by any stretch, but it's a lot better than <laughs> Bowling Green, who they're catching 14 and a half points from. And, you know, Akron has looked much different since DJ Irons took over at quarterback. He started the year as the backup quarterback. He came in against Auburn and went 13 for 13 for 129 yards and a touchdown against Auburn. He got his first start week three against Bryant. He went 19 for 23, 296 yards, three passing touchdowns. He added 136 yards and a touchdown on the ground. So far this year, he's got eight passing touchdowns, two rushing touchdowns. He's averaging 165 per game through the air, 50 per game on the ground. He's really doing it all. He's got, you know, great chemistry with Mumfield, who has a touchdown now in four straight games. So this Akron offense is better than Bowling Green's. It just, it has been all year. And, you know, while Bowling Green's defense is definitely a lot better, is it laying 14 and a half points better? These are two of the worst teams in the country. I don't think any of these teams should be giving 14 and a half to anybody. So let's go zip it up, baby. Plus 14 and a half. I know it's spooky season. So maybe the ghost of Brian Van Gorder is going to come out and start dialing up plays for the Falcons. And all of a sudden, Akron's going to move the football. Um, You make some good points on irons. Absolutely. Like when you dig into the numbers, he's someone that gives them at least a chance offensively to string together five or six positive plays in a row. Really, I actually, I kind of looked at this game and I thought to myself, is under like too easy as a play? Because having watched the entirety of Kent State Bowling Green, which by the way, the the Matt crew calling back a touchdown at the end of the first half. And then our boy, Andrew Glass, who saved us against Texas A&M in the opener, missing a field goal. The the wheels fell off that that best bet for me real quick once they took seven points and then three points off the board. Um, Having watched all of that, Bowling Green is a nuisance defensively. And they absolutely capped any explosive plays. The Golden Flashes were not able to to hit the big one. And because of that, I'm looking at this 46 number. And I I don't know. To me, it it has the feel of like an AFC North game from like 2004. This is a Derek Anderson Browns-led team. And there's going to be some difficulty. Maybe Kelly Holcomb comes in at halftime and also struggles to move the football. I, I would just say break glass in case of emergency for our listeners. If you can't get your finger to actually touch the, the the smart smart screen and dial in that win bet pick on on Akron, then maybe just go with the under. All right, go ahead. We talked about how improved the defense is, and I agree with that. But at the same time, okay, Akron was laying two and a half in this game last year and beat them 31-3. We all know Brian Van Gorder is one of the worst coaches in the country. How many points is Brian Van Gorder worth that they're going to go from a 31-3 to loss to now win by, you know, 15 or more. 
That's a big, that's a big, big swing. You know what? I'm going to take this opportunity to throw in a little bonus pick for you. Game of the centuries this weekend. As two degenerates, we're not going to not play this game. Grant, I don't even know if this qualifies as group five because they're both independent as they deserve to be. Give me UConn minus three at UMass. Let's go Huskies. Everyone has to bet this game. These are the two worst teams in the country. They both should be regulated to, you know, division three, but they're not. And I'm going with Huskies. Yes, maybe a little bit because I'm from Connecticut and I want to play this game and I'm rooting for my hometown. So, you know, maybe don't tail it in that sense. But this game's a coin flip, so you got to pick someone. I'm going with UConn. And they have actually looked way better with their new quarterback. They brought in a freshman who who low-key, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and, you know, debate this game because you shouldn't, who cares what the numbers say. But they have looked better under their new quarterback. So give me the Huskies minus three in the game of the week. I couldn't agree more on that one. And I, most people will see it and the jokes have just been flying on Twitter about how this is one of the worst games to ever be scheduled and people making pilgrimages to go to the game, you know, get in for $3 and 50 cents. But UConn is, if I had to make a comparison, it's just like the worst food you could get on like a rest stop, you know, gas station situation, but it's still food. Like UMass is like dog food. And I mean this because our producer had to eat dog food with Darren Ravel last year. So he knows the difference between bad human food and dog food. And that is what UMass is. They shouldn't be at the FBS level. They make UConn and New Mexico State look like, you know, the creme de la creme of, of these independent ranks. So I'm, I'm with you. I think UConn is an easy play there. Don't overthink it. And finally, you brought up Brian Van Gorder. How much could the absence of Brian Van Gorder be worth? And I'll make a complicated comparison here because this is garbage time here for the podcast. But the movie Back to the Future was originally cast with Eric Stoltz and the movie was not working. And if you want to hear the entire backstory on Netflix, the movies that made us Back to the Future, they brought in Michael J. Fox to play Barney McFly, turn the whole thing around. Whoever the Bowling Green defensive coordinator is, maybe he could be our hero of the week next week if you know they, they play a good one and keep the number under. He's the Marty McFly, the Michael J. Fox version in this one. So that's that's how I'm going to wrap up this conversation on the, the Group of Five deep dive. I think we did a great job really testing the depths of G5 land and mining out some, some potential value. Hopefully all of our picks hit. We're going to give you a quick rundown uh, on all of the picks before we get out of here. I do just want to throw in one, one more bonus bet just because we don't record till Wednesday, so we won't get to it. Getting out of the mud. Early next week, we have not only a beautiful early week game, but one of the best games in the group of five, you know, this that we've had so far. App State at Louisiana. I know we didn't cash our Southern Alabama underdog parlay, but they should have won that game. They were a couple missed extra points away from winning it. And I think everything we handicapped about Louisiana was spot on. This number's not out yet. So, you know, obviously wait and see what the number comes out. But I'm definitely playing App State in the spot. I think they're a much better team. I think, you know, Louisiana is is pretty well respected. So I do think the number will be somewhat short. Uh, we both said we don't really believe in Louisiana. So this is a great spot to fade them here. So I, I'm going to go ahead and lay App State on Tuesday night. So give that out as a little bonus pick. Scared money don't make money, you know. You're going to want to go ahead and just search Twitter for the running back injuries for App State. If Cam Peoples is good to go, they have some other depth behind him that potentially could be coming back from injury. That's really important because they they love to just beat on teams and usually the dam breaks in the fourth quarter. So to have him at full strength, I think would be a, a huge feather in the cap for, for the Nears in that spot. 
And now for a quick recap of all of our picks in one convenient place. We're going to start with our best bets, starting with over 70 in the Western Kentucky game. Western Kentucky over. The Coastal Carolina Chanticleers, minus 19. Long live the Triple C Dynasty. For our underdog money line parlay of week six, the Green Wave, plus 200. The Tulane Green Wave. And the FAU Owls, plus 175. The Florida Atlantic Owls. And that comes out to a juicy plus 825 for the parlay. And for our G5 high five round robin, here's the five pack. Ball State plus 11 and a half. You got to be kidding me. Now this is peak maction. It is. Peak maction. East Carolina plus 11. The East Carolina Pirates. UTEP minus two. We're talking minor nation. Akron plus 14 and a half. Zips. And UTSA plus three and a half. The UTSA Roadrunners. And what weekend would be complete without insight into UConn versus UMass? We like the Huskies minus three and a half. The UConn Huskies. And that's it for the Group of Five Deep Dive here at the Big Bets on Campus podcast presented by WinBet. Reminder that you can hear directly from Colin and Stucky Thursday nights into Friday mornings covering the entire slate, no stone left unturned. So please check them out as well as our other content, which includes Sources with Brett McMurphy. For Mike Ionello, I'm Mike Calabrese. This has been the Group of Five Deep Dive. Thanks for listening.